welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yeah, all right. No big whoop. Joining us all, joining us as well is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Glenn, I think it's a very big whoop that you're joining us. <laughs> uh, that's outstanding. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Smaller whoop, but I'm here. Oh, okay. Not as big a whoop. As Glenn joining us, but uh, a healthy, humble, moderate whoop. There's some whoop. Sure. Yeah. I think we said that word so many times, it has lost all meaning. You know what I say? What? Whoop. There it is. <laughs> you know, dear listener, I probably should have seen that one coming, but I legitimately didn't. <laughs> Gonna be honest, that one caught me flat-footed. There's a, there's a face that Glenn makes whenever Jed references... You know, '90s music, uh-huh. <laughs> which comes up more often than you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Jed referencing hip hop from 1992 <laughs> is just—it comes up way more than you'd think it might. But we have an excellent show, and we must start off with an announcement that may—I have a feeling—transfer into something more. Okay. Is this like an emergency? Like well, something important, or can we not just get on with the show? Well, we'll get on with the show, as okay. you know, we like to do. We catch, we catch the people up, do some housekeeping, as yeah. they say. So, uh, I'm engaged. Our first what? Whoa! It it's is. all happening, people. We 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 hoped, we prayed this day would come. Our long international nightmare is finally <laughs> over. <laughs> And one poor woman's nightmare is only beginning. <laughs> it's going to happen, people. A say that marriage. Ooh. Wow. Oh, I hope not. That's that's the worst wedding theme. Okay, first of all, clearly we need to... This uh, wedding has so many technical difficulties. Uh, this First of all, this wedding clearly needs to be Facebook lived. Nope. Yeah. I don't know that what is that is or how to do it. Directly out. But I think we we need uh, I I think uh, a live tweeting commentary sure. of oh, like uh, catty comments of what people are wearing. I think is how you sure. do that. Sure, are you going to stand out front of the church and, and ask people what they're wearing? Well, yeah, who they're wearing? Right? Yeah, who are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just you know I don't know how to do that. I do right, have relatives but... from East Tennessee, so the answer to who you're wearing may get a little <laughs> esoteric. Like maybe former pets. Or, yeah, who are you okay. wearing? I don't know. I don't know that we named that raccoon, but he <laughs> sure is warm. Thanks for asking, Mister. <laughs> well, I I think this would be great to have sort of a red carpet uh, gala. Sure, sure. We put that on the internet. So people are going to be tuning in from all over. Anyone is anyone will be there, which means none of us will be there. Right. My question yeah. is: Is there like some kind of crowdsourcing? You know, like things we have that Matt and his betrothed have to include in the ceremony based on like polling the say that audience. Oh, well, you know what we need a live voting function. What we need to do is have the say that listeners decide what this wedding should be like. Sure, absolutely. Because I think uh, in many ways it's more their wedding than Matt's wedding. Sure, absolutely. Well, that's true, (laughs) but it's one person's wedding more than that. (laughs) 
I I think here's one of the things. I, I mean, we're trying to come to terms with a lot here, right? Sure. I, mean, I mean, it's a lot to deal with. It's it's a lot, and you know, I mean, on the one hand, we're very very happy for Matt, yes. and for Jenna, and it's yes. wonderful and it's amazing and it's fantastic. On the other hand, when two people get married, in particular, I'm talking about like the the wedding ceremony here. They, there's always loved ones where it's like. Yeah, I mean, we need to invite them, but gosh, do you think they could behave themselves? Right. And I'm afraid that you, me, and Lee are those loved ones Definitely. in this case. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. think Clearly. it's fair to say, and I and Jenna, we love Jenna to Absolutely. death. Absolutely. We think Jenna's sure amazing. she's way better than me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no doubt. I mean that that one. I, we're not even having that discussion. Okay. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying is. If Jenna could invite anyone to her wedding, I think it would be not us. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Because this is going to be well. That would be the smart move. That was you would. That's a smart move. Talked earlier. We'd love to fit you, but you know, venue sizes. You know, Mm -hmm. we can only fit seven billion people. So it's going to yes. be everyone on earth except you guys. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's the right move. And we didn't want it to go that way. I mean, we had a, like a B list, and that was you guys. Yeah. But we just couldn't quite get the, the chairs. You know, you got to rent the chairs. It gets expensive. Yeah, yeah. Seven billion chairs is a lot. That's right. Yeah. This is an absolute true fact. A super fan uh, and one of our, uh, became one of our amazing volunteers. Uh, Miss Amanda got married. Yes. Uh, I guess it was about a year ago now, right? Yeah, Close to December of twenty eighteen, I believe. Okay, one of those. And uh, she sent a wedding invitation, no kidding, to our house that was addressed to my wife, uh, Jane Fitzgerald, and guest. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, so that she could just take someone, not me. Yes. Because we'd all rather have that happen. Well, is yeah. this because you've gone on several long diatribes in her presence about how you didn't like being invited to weddings? That was the first line of the premarital counseling. Yes. Is, <laughs> I don't, don't want to come to this. Well, and while we're crowdsourcing things to inconvenience all of us, that brings me to an idea because... Uh, Glenn does not like to go to weddings, but he's forced to go on occasion. Right. And sometimes uh, in the distant past, people have asked Glenn to participate. Uh, Which is not good. Glenn has officiated the sand ceremony. Sure. (laughs) Which is you take your two different colors of sand, Uh two jars, and you pour them in one jar. Right. And now they're all intermingled, much like the souls of these two fine people. That's right. Here's what I'd like to crowdsource uh, to the the Say That audience is, what's the worst thing we can make Glenn do? Dude, Ooh, wow. as a wedding ceremony. Here's what I came up with so far because the, the, the sand ceremony was a disaster. Yeah, it was, as I recall, it was the story, it was outdoors in like yeah. 96 degree yeah. heat. Yeah. Yeah, and you couldn't do like candles and stuff. That's why they did a sand yeah. ceremony. And they insisted that I do it. And I, I said, I'm very flattered and thankful that you. Right. Uh, there's a, a, a young uh, pastor who's doing the service that I know really wants to be the star of the show. Yeah. And I really want that for him. Yes. He and, should mix that sand. And specifically, I want it to also not be me. Sure. And they said, no, we really, 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 really insist. And <laughs> then I said, really, guys, it's fine if I don't. Yeah. Yes. And then This they, is not like a false modesty bit. Yeah. This shouldn't happen. Yeah. And then they said, no, you should do it. And then they, they brought me up, and I said, this is a sand ceremony. We pour two different colors of sand in a jar, and it symbolizes two people getting together. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. 
Yeah. A very literal literalist reading of I, I because A, I didn't want to do it. B, that's you're very clear about that. B, I don't know what else I can say about that. Yeah. Yep. So, so I I can think of one part of the, the, the wedding that Glenn does want to be uh asked to participate in, and that is the the curating of the playlist to be played at the reception. He has lots yeah, of I, opinions about that. I would I would excel at that. Sure. I would I would do well with that. Of course he, he enjoys just as much judging the playlist other people come up with. Sure, yeah. So he's a winner either way. Yeah. I got a couple ideas for Glenn involvement. Oh, and and I, we're we're still not over Amanda's wedding DJ scenario with the Jed and I made many very vicious snarky red carpet comments about the equipment. Yeah, there was there was a lot of judging the make of the DJ's equipment. Yeah, I have no recollection of that. Okay, I have two ideas okay. relating to uh, Glenn involvement with this with this most magical of occasions. Now, the first is, um, you know, at some weddings, it's a thing where we have, and it's kind of a cool thing, you know, we're going to wash one another's feet. Oh, a it's a cool thing in theory. In theory. It rarely works well, but it's a cool thing yeah. in theory. But it's a symbol of, you know, we're entering, we're going to be servants to one another. Right. You know, I mean, um, my idea, Glenn washes both of your feet. Nope. That's out. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear Jed's second idea. First of all. <laughs> Let me just that, put this Glenn, out there. Jen, that's the worst thing I've ever heard on this show. I want you to think about what you've done. <laughs> I win! I, I, I win! I want to say two things about this. One, unpleasant. One is, I've never seen Matt be that red before. <laughs> that <Yeah>. was rough. <laughs> yeah. That's a terrible thought. Second of all, I would much, much rather wash someone's feet than do a sand ceremony ever again. Yeah. Because that's some crazy, stupid, made-up stuff. Washing people's feet is in the Bible. Sure, that's the that's Bible. at least that's something. Yeah. Also, as a side note, I I am perfectly happy touching Matt's feet. I, I'm sure you. This I, is why I suggest I will touch Matt's feet right now. That was a big part of my job interview. <laughs> I mean, we weren't really supposed to tell the Illinois Board of Labor about that, but <laughs> let's keep that. Under ministry the, yeah, acumen, yeah. I think, was a thing. Yeah, let's not talk about. So, that. Well, but and Jed, as you prepare your second one, and yeah. I again, I think you should be in some kind of timeout to think about what you've done. <laughs> Um, my, my idea was because you gotta you know you gotta take it to the next level. You gotta hybridize. So you know there's the candle ceremony with the, the two candles, and you make the one. Right. And I apparently there's like some people who do like there's an extra step on that where the parents get candles. Oh. Okay. It's like the parents give the kids the candle, uh, and then the kids, uh, which brought up somebody made they did this at some term, uh, wedding that uh, some a friend of mine and Lee's was the we were friends with like the parents of the kids getting married. Right. And uh, Lee's boss, Tom, was from his ceremony. And the mother of the groom, I think, or maybe the bride, was very adamant, don't blow us out. We are not to oh. be blown out. It's not like we do right. the parent. No, no, no. We don't die today. I think that yeah, was right. Yeah, this is not the end of this thing. <laughs> so we got your candle ceremony, your sand ceremony, flaming sand ceremony. Whoa. Yeah. Take two different colors of sand. Yeah. Okay. Lighter fluid. Yes. Okay. Set them on fire. Uh huh. And then you pour them in to you know what? the middle thing. Now you got my attention. Because yeah. I'm hoping it would create some kind of tornado effect. Yeah. Where it would be just sand and fire spinning in a jar. Well, it's a chance that I might singe my eyebrows during this. And that's exciting. I yeah. think we can tie these ideas together. Fantastic. Right? A good foot washing should include a scrub element. 
Okay. To really, what kind yeah. of weddings are you going to? <laughs> I mean, to really work, exfoliate. I mean, you got to exfoliate. <laughs> so here's what I'm saying: you set that sand on fire, you yep. do the whole thing. Once it's cooled a bit, you take that sand and use as part of the oh, scrub. I mean, when I mean, Glenn washes both of your feet, don't let it cool because you got an ideal. What do you call it? Cold. There you go. The yeah, cold yeah thing. there you go. Tony Robbins in there. Yeah, yes. exactly right. I think we have an amazing wedding. I think we've revolutionized right weddings. What we and did. I, I, I will quickly give you an, an idea, please. From a real wedding that one of my oh. very close friends had, uh, 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 the, uh, a buddy of mine from the church I grew up in. Uh, if you don't like it, you send it right back. All right. Okay. Uh, he married a gal uh, 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 that uh, who was very much into clowns. Huh. And you say, like okay. circus clowns? It's like circus clowns, like okay. the kind of clowns that totally freak you out and you have nightmares And you don't mean about. this is like a slam on him. Yeah. She no, was into clowns. She likes Like clowns, Bozo the Clown. Like Bozo the Clown, okay. like the face paint and okay. the red nose and the big shoes. Okay. Clown ministry kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know what? The, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so she likes the clown. She likes to do the clown thing. <laughs> yeah. Now- does he like it? No, he uh, don't. He don't like it. Yeah, yeah. But she likes it. Yeah, sure. Well, and he does like it now. Then now we're getting married, so guess what? You get to like it. Yeah. Now they. I don't know if you know this, but you're not. You don't throw rice at weddings anymore because birds eat it and explode. Well, for me, that'd be a plus. But apparently, <laughs> I'm against that. Can we have them explode? Hey, bird I insist that a bird explode. That's you know. I celebrate all sound equipment everywhere. With right. No judgment. That's a big and all fat lie life. right there. I I we had we don't have proof of not that. <laughs> right. And I love all birds. Including, and I think they should not explode. Does that include the one that lives in your house es- that hates you? And- especially that bird. Here's yeah. if if people know anything about me, it's yeah. that I celebrate that bird and whatever sound equipment that bird chooses to use in its <laughs> DJ career. The lies are, are are really pretty steep. But here's the thing, DJ Birdington. You, the, you don't you you don't put a the 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 rice at no. the wedding anymore because it's a bird. Bird seed. You do bird seed. This is a new thing. Well, back then they didn't come up with that yet because sure. this was back in the dark ages. That's right. So here's what they decided to do. Everybody, you line. You know how you line up and they're going to run to the car and then they go to the honeymoon. Everyone gets a balloon. Okay. okay. Helium balloon. Okay. You got your balloon filled with helium. You got a little string. You're holding the string. The balloon's sure. right. When they come, we're we're instructed. Take your balloon, and then when they when they come running to the to the car to go away, you release the balloon heavenward. Okay, and that's the symbolic of uh, right. You know whatever, right. and they come out. To run to the car, we've all got our balloons, and they both have full face paint clown makeup on wow. their faces. Really? Whoa. It was, it still lives in my nightmares to this day. Well, you're describing an it themed <laughs> wedding. It was Clowns exactly the most horrifying. <laughs> if, I mean, I cannot get that picture out of my head. Many, many years later. Wow. No one is going to top that. We yeah, should, we should close terrible. this out. On that, I declare really one of our more psychedelic emergencies off. Matt, congratulations. Yes, Thank Matt. you. That's That was what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> right. And then we did 15 minutes of 
Whatever that was. Don't think about Glenn dressed as a clown washing your feet. Whatever you do, don't think about that. This is is about you and enjoying your life of wedded bliss with your beloved. That's what this is about. We talk on the show. There's a reason we do the same intro at the top. There's a reason we said things. Uh, Stan Lee once famously said his theory was everyone's comic was someone's first comic. Every comic was someone's first comic. Um Every episode of the show is probably someone's first, and uh, sorry. Well, we enjoyed having you, but no one blames you for turning this off, uninstalling the podcast app, maybe going to get a new phone, maybe just going to live in the woods. That's fine. We hope you enjoy it there. The clowns live in the woods. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Hey, talk about bridge box. You know what? Make that no transition. Foot washing, nor clown balloon releasing. Then that's in bridge box. Oh. We are not that hard up for topics, and we don't get that specific. My friend has a clown thing. How do I encourage him? We don't do that. That's we are broader. All right, like a nice right. broad topic. Yeah. In the bridge box, we talk about relationships. We talk about prayer. We talk about our relationship with the Bible. That's kind of stuff. Right now, we're still in the month of July. We're looking at our summer mixtape, five brand new exclusive songs available at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. If you want to go check that out. All right, we're jumping to our first question here. It comes in all the way. Comes in all the way? No, that's not how that part of the show goes. Eh. It comes in anonymously. If you give us, hang out this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can touch this. First question comes in and says, Thank you for the answering the question about the camps. This is a reference to last episode where we talked about the uh, migrant camps on the southern border and what we uh, thought and felt about those and answered a question from our friend. That helped me say publicly, on Facebook at least, sharing the post, both a condemnation of them and also links to organizations who are trying to help, as well as inspiring me to do a bit more with what I have where I am. That is a very cool thing to hear. But now I don't know how to deal with my family who opposes my views. I fear doing anything public because of their reactions, like posting how sad it was to hear, like posting how, how sad I was to hear about Ferguson got me a lot of, quote, those people deserved it, and quote, no cops are bad, etc. angry reactions. Their response is quieter this time, but it still has that same sentiment. My question is, is it godly to cut them out? I don't want to react out of fear, but I know that A, they'll never change their minds, and B, I honestly dread interacting with them. I spent years putting on a fake veneer of happiness around them while also walking on eggshells and trying to diffuse angry outbursts before they explode into something ugly. And guys, I am tired. Yeah. Would it be godly to not make the huge effort of being with them over holidays and vacations? I find my life is more peaceful and happier the less I interact with them. Any insight would be helpful. Thank you. And a awesome question. We're always thankful for follow-up questions. We are particularly thankful for a follow-up question as someone who is, who's, you know, doing the right thing and speaking out for, for things we definitely also believe in. So Glenn, where do we start off with this question of what to do about the family? Well, first and foremost, we, you know, as, as we often say on these things where uh, politics are at least distantly involved, that we don't do politics on the show, and, and we're going to try to stick with that for sure. Uh, but there does come a point where you need to acknowledge this has sort of gone beyond politics. Uh, if I if I describe uh, to use an extreme example uh, that uh, the the Nazi movement was a right wing political movement, that's kind of it's it's true from a certain perspective, but it was a lot more than that, and there was a lot more to it. And it there are lots of people who have right wing political views that would never 
agree with anything in in Nazi Germany. Uh, you could say the use to use an extreme example on the left. You could say that uh, uh, you know uh, you know Mao in China and what was happening there was a left wing political movement, but that also would be not entirely accurate. That is to say that uh, that it went way beyond that into something that had sweeping, far-reaching social implications, more so than political ones, uh, that it had uh, as well uh, religious and spiritual implications on uh, whether you're looking at Nazis on the right or, or, or you know communist China on the left. And again, these are extreme examples. I'm not comparing any of those things to the politics of today. But when we do see ourselves going down the road of some of these more extreme things, and we're at the beginning of that journey of going down that road, it does give us pause, but it also allows us to look at this in a way that goes beyond politics. This, We, we can begin to say, this isn't a right-wing thing, a left-wing thing. This is not a communist or a socialist or a Democrat or a Republican or whatever. This is something that's just beyond all of that. And I think we, there, we ha- we've reached a point where we have to acknowledge that's what we're looking at here, that we're, we're talking about things that approach uh, a, a level of hysteria that has been brought on by something more akin to propaganda. We're, we're beginning to get into that kind of territory. Uh, we here uh, on on this show, and we here, and uh, just as we're ministering to people out in the world, just stuff that is not necessarily more and more extreme, although it is, it's just more and more not connected to reality. Of yep. just this is not how life is, and this is not how things work. We're getting more and more stories about this has torn our family apart, all that kind of stuff. Let me give you a couple of quick things. I'm going to let these guys really dive into it, but I want to kind of set the the you know the stage for that. One quick thing I want to say is we are not at war. This is a thing that if 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 you're listening to somebody and and they're talking and using that language and that terminology, that's giving you a hint of what we're dealing with. We are not at war. That you could say this is a social war. You could say our values are under attack. You could say. We have a war on Christmas, all that stuff we joke about or what have you. If you think you're at war, you're giving yourself permission to not have the normal rules. It's, it's, it goes against our normal sense of ethics to get uh, on a plane and have a giant weapon and go to another country and kill somebody. But that's what happens in a time of war because war is a different thing. There's different considerations. You, you do things you wouldn't normally do. If someone tells you you're at war, that means you are allowed to give yourself permission to just do all the damage you want, to fight without any sense of morality or any sense of ethics, without listening to God, without being in prayer, because this is war and the point is to win. It, when, when people buy into that kind of mentality, uh, they're, they're giving themselves to permission to do things that would n- never normally be acceptable. A last thing, a quick thing that I'll, I'll say as I hand it off to these fellows. Uh, scripture obligates us, as, when it comes to family, uh, in a way that is a two-way street. That is to say, family's obligated to us the same way we are to them. We're meant to be loving and helpful to our family, 
That family's meant to be helpful and loving to you. If that's going one way and they're deciding God's telling you you have to put up with it, that's not what's in the Bible. That's not the obligation. If your parent is coming to you and saying, I'm the parent, I you have to do anything I say, that's in the Bible. That same Bible says parents don't exasperate your children. You're exasperating the snot out of me. Go obey the Bible and don't come back till you do. That's the kind of uh, message we need to put out there. So those boundaries still do apply. I think that's absolutely right. And Lee, I think boundaries is a very important word here. To, to, that is going to be our step into practicality, right? Yeah. Um, it, I, I feel like it's time to set up some boundaries. And I, and, and I say that as somebody who's had to do that um, with members of my own family. And so I, I don't say that in, in any kind of theoretical sense. This is not something I'm kind of making up or anything like that. It, you're listening to a person who has had to look at members of their own family and say, you and I cannot speak about this issue together and remain friends. Um, so this is what, what this thing right here, this is off limits for us if we're going to hang out. If you can't handle that, then we can't actually hang out. Um, and that's, and that is the, this is what I'm telling you is verbatim a conversation I've had with close members of my family. And, and this is a kind of deal where it has to be that clear and it has to be that cut and dry. And there can't be a lot of loophole in that. Um, because what you're basically saying is, I, I am giving you a chance to not be cut out of my life. And these are the terms. You and I cannot speak about this issue. Uh, and, and what you're not saying to them is, um, and you and I can't speak about this issue because your views are insane and inhumane and immoral, and I think you're crazy. You're not saying that. You're just saying, you and I can't talk about this and remain friends. If they can't handle that, then, you, then you're going to have to draw a stronger boundary line. I will tell you this. Uh, a few years ago, um, and, and the first time this happened to us, <laughs> it happened to us because one of our kids got sick on Thanksgiving. But one of our kids got sick on Thanksgiving, so we didn't get to go to the family thing. And it was the greatest Thanksgiving that Christy and I have ever had as a married couple. It was the greatest Thanksgiving I've ever experienced in my entire life. And um, not one, because we stayed in PJs all day. That's a great way to have Thanksgiving, first of all. But two, because we did not have to deal with one molecule of drama. It was amazing. Uh, the following year, we were invited to some friends by some friends to their house. And they said, guys, this is going to be hard. All of our families are going to pitch a fit, but we want to have Friendsgiving. That was the second place of the greatest Thanksgivings I've ever had in my entire life. And what I'm saying to you on that is, <clears throat> you describe in the question, dreading being with your family and being more at peace when you're not with them. Here's my thing. Um, let's draw some strong boundary lines for the best way to actually have some kind of peaceable, maybe enjoyable relationship with a family member. Maybe that's you set up like, we're going to hang out for 30 minutes at this park on this day, and then we're going to see how you do. We're going to set it up something like that. But don't try to make it like all of Thanksgiving. Because of why? Because of what? Society? Rules? There's no rule. You can have Friendsgiving. You, I hereby declare to you that you can have Friendsgiving. 
People are going to kick and scream about that. But here's what I'm saying to you is there's no rule that says you have to be with these family members on this day of the year. What I would say is give it a spin. Have friendsmas, you know, have, have, a, have Christmas with somebody else. Try these major holidays without this drama. Try to celebrate. If you, if you must do something, celebrate it on a different day. And come up with a, a real specific way. We're going to go to this restaurant uh, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving with you. That's you know that's going to be an hour and fifteen minutes for the meal and the check and the bathroom visit. You know, and then and then that was it. That's what we did for Thanksgiving. All of this to say, I, I know. Oh. I know how it feels to feel like, you know what? I have more peace when I'm not with these people on this major holiday. Try something different. It's time. It's time. Um, Glenn's exactly right on this stuff. And, and, and you have the right to feel the way that you do about it. And you have the right to say to somebody, we're not going to talk about that. And if you, can, if you can't handle that, we're not going to hang out. And if you need to, it's time to start... Uh, coming up with a different way to do these major holidays, a way that's going to, as you say it, lead to more peace and less dread. Really, really solid point. And Jed, uh, I think Lee is absolutely right about the holidays, but I don't think we need to stop there if we're going to look at this peace thing. So where else would we go? Well, Lee has already given you uh, the the permission and the blessing to do friendsgiving, so you should you should take him up on it. So there's that for sure. You should do that. You should give yourself the Christmas gift of not that, really anything but that. You should do that for sure. Uh, but you should also uh, go ahead and mute or block or delete these people on social media. Um, uh, bottom line, we've all had this verse trotted out on us. Uh, you know, honor thy father and mother. That doesn't have anything to do with showing up for ham- family holidays, and it sure as heck doesn't have anything to do with seeing nonsense on social media. Um, there's just <laughs> there's no connection between honoring your parents and listening to their weird views on social media. There's that's these are completely separate things. So um, mute them, block them, delete them, and uh, spend your holidays in a way that are restorative to you. Just like Lee said, no question about it. I want to encourage you to, you don't, this is, this is, I'm about to tell you something that's purely my perspective, but I want to encourage you to think about it and, and, and consider, because I think it might help you as you kind of navigate some of this. Um, at this point, um, Glenn is really right that there's a certain amount of the stuff that is, it's begun to go beyond politics and beyond religion into a weird place that is just propaganda and and bigotry and cultish behavior i mean there's there's kind of no way around that and so the thing is when you get in that space we kind of it doesn't it's not always terribly useful to try and figure out uh who is or isn't being christian because all these words get really blurry um you know i mean it sounds like everybody in your family would describe themselves as a christian but Maybe a significant number of them are living in fairly anti-Christian ways, at least in in key areas of their lives. And so it's, I think one of the things we begin to struggle with is how do I explain to myself what I'm dealing with and how then do I explain it to other people? Recognizing if I can't explain it to me, I definitely can't explain it to them. That's, you know, that's just kind of a given. So 
the thing that I would encourage you to think about is giving yourself permission to use, for a time anyway, less religious, maybe even less spiritual words to describe all of this. Um, what I hear you saying is, I don't want to put up with meanness or cruelty. Say that. Declare it. That's fine. One of my core values is, I don't put up with meanness or cruelty. I, and I'm not saying that on, on I, I'm saying that on no authority other than my own. I don't like it, yeah. so I'm not going to put up with it. Right on. I, I'm not saying that this is the Christian view. I'm saying it's my view. That's right. My view is I don't like meanness and cruelty, so I don't put up with it. I would encourage you to think about declaring that for yourself, because I think that's what's underscoring what you've written, and deciding that's where you're at. Because I think that, A, if you decide that, I think about five minutes later, you're going to intuit everything that you've already heard these other brothers say. Like, yeah, obviously, that's the direction that I want to go. But when you do interact with your family, I think it's going to give you a lot more peace about interacting with them. Because a lot of the nonsense that you're experiencing kind of has to rely on a certain amount of who's to say in order to exist. You know, um, you know. I think we should put children in cages. Maybe you don't, but who's to say? There's a lot of words in the Bible. Maybe some of them say we should put children in cages. I mean, we kind of have to have that who's to say dynamic in order for this to, to be a dialogue. But if your conviction, if your core value, if on an identity level, like I don't do meanness or cruelty, then you're able to simply say, no, this is a mean, cruel thing. I don't care if it's Christian or not. I don't do that. I'm not in support of it, and I don't want to hear anything in support of it. I'm not okay with that. And that really cuts to the core of what it is to have and set a boundary, is to have owned something for yourself that is core and central to who you are and what you are and are not willing to put up with. And this is the key thing, is other people may or may not like it, and they're almost certainly not going to like it, but if you make it a debate about what is or isn't Christian, that's going to go on forever. I mean, that will never stop. Yes. But if you say, no, just me as a person, I don't do meanness and cruelty, and that's what this is, there's not really a comeback to that. Nuh-uh. It is, and, and I'm leaving now, because I don't do, I told you I don't do meanness and cruelty. That's what you're doing. Now I'm leaving. I think there's a lot more peace for you if you go down that that avenue. I'd encourage you at the very least to think about it. Because again, I think part of what's going on here is I think you already sense what you need to do, kind of a lot of the action items here, but it's it's the question of how do I have peace about it? And I think peace lies down the avenue of giving yourself permission to say, I don't do meanness or cruelty as a core value decision that I'm making for me regardless of anything else. That is a really, really important point because as, as Jed points out, it's important to to understand for yourself what's going on here. It is not important or in a lot in a lot of cases helpful to express that in any detail to the people you are uh, making this decision about because yeah. you are not going to convince them. You say, you know, I feel bad about this, but I know they're not going to change and I'm super unhappy. There's something you can do to affect both of those things and we we all get in a cycle, especially if we're new to drawing boundaries with with family, with people around us where the, there's an idea that I'm going to explain this so well, they are going to have, I'm going to kind of West wing it. I'm going to take this person. I'm going to make such a good speech and lay my points out that they're going to have no choice, but to say, well, turns out all the things I believe are wrong. And I'm just going to have to think about that. And I love the West wing. And I love that that works in TV. Cause that's the only place that works. Right. That's why it's a fantasy. 
the uh, reality is these people, if these people are dug in and dug in a way that is negating your feelings about this, which super sucks. And we don't want to skip over that. That's, that's an awful way for, for family to treat people. You, you're doing the healthy thing for yourself. If this is the way it feels about that. Now to, to judge point about not worrying about how spiritual it is. We, we were talking a little bit in the last show on the question you mentioned about kind of what politics is. That's policy that has effects in the real world. So there's a whole thing of like, like people who it's like, Oh, well this guy, this is a democratic strategist and a Republican strategist, but they got married and they like, don't let it uh, influence their home life. And that's supposed to be held up as like this super high minded thing or the super spiritual thing. Like, Oh, it's so much more important than politics. As all these guys point out, the stuff you're talking about is like very basic moral worldview stuff. So one of the things you definitely want to be prepared for and you want to know that in your mind is not what's going on is, oh, well, you're just choosing politics over your family. And isn't that terrible? And isn't that what the people who, if someone with different political views told, if someone thought, oh, you don't want to keep children in concentration camps, I don't want to go to Thanksgiving with you, that that would be awful. So what you're doing is awful too. That's not what's going on. This is not choosing politics over your family. These are issues that are politicized. But they are issues that seem to speak to who you are as a person, to what you believe about the world and about morality. And as Jed points out, and those guys pointed out, most importantly, the thing you're doing now is making you miserable. And these people are going to be miserable one way or the other. Yes. They're going to, if you don't go, they're all going to talk about how you didn't come and gripe about it. And if you go, they're all going to talk about you and gripe about it. So if you'd be happy and they're going to be unhappy either way, it sounds like we're doing a net positive. We're doing the right thing for you. All right, we're going to jump to our second question here. Comes in anonymously, and it says, I had a traumatic experience with prayer. People praying at me and quote-unquote casting out evil things, like having done yoga and assuming that because my mother is from South America, she had encountered witch doctoring. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. This is a very important parenthetical, and it's one I'm very, very thankful to read. I no longer attend that church. Mm-hmm. I have tried to heal from this, but to this day when I, I have actual panic attacks and sometimes vomit, if I pray for more than a few minutes, especially if others are praying with me and the scripture is quoted verbatim, I know I need God's help to heal the trauma I experienced, but how do I do that when prayer itself is what triggers my fear? Please help. And uh, this is obviously a very tough question. I'm glad our friend wrote in. I also think uh, beyond just the prayer thing, there is a, a much wider issue that I think we're going to, uh, what we're, we say to help our friend around the question is going to apply to people. A lot of people have traumas around religious stuff. Yeah. That could be prayer. That could be the Bible has been used to guilt you. That could be people have told you that God doesn't like you doing this thing. They don't like you doing. So it's a little tough. You know, we talk and Jed loves you. you kicks off. We talk a lot on the show about, and it's true. You need God to work through in those things. You need to go to him healing. But it can be a little tricky when the stuff that you're trying to heal from is God stuff. Yep. So yep. where do we start off with that? Well, let's start here. We love you. Um, we've yep. got your back. We're praying for you. Uh, we believe in you. Uh, and man, I'm so sorry that people treated you the way that they did. Um, I know this sounds weird to say, but I grew up around a lot of very strange religious stuff. I've had some semi-similar things actually happen in my own life. Um, I, you and I have a little bit more on common this than you might guess. Uh, and I'm, I'm really, really sorry for what you've been through. 
I want to encourage you to look at a couple of things, but it is my 100% belief that God understands where you're at, that God loves you and, and wants to see you get all the healing that you need, and that God understands that's almost certainly going to take some messy solutions along the way and that that's okay. Um, that, um, the idea of the, the perfect solution that does everything just right and all church people everywhere would approve of it is probably not something that's going to work here and that we need to embrace solutions that might be a little on the messy side. I'm pretty sure God gets that and understands that. So with that in mind, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to go see your doctor, your medical doctor, your general practitioner, just have a basic checkup and talk about your struggles. Um, at least in the U.S., most general practitioners are uh, trained to do a little bit of stuff related to mental and emotional health and to know when it's time to give a referral either to counseling or to a psychiatrist. So I want to encourage you to go see your GP. Uh, that's something that literally everyone should be doing once a year anyway. Um, so it'd just be a good idea and there's no reason not to do it. And I want to encourage you to talk with a licensed professional counselor um, and really get into it. And I want to encourage you to consider talking with someone who, that does not describe themselves as a Christian counselor. Um, I want to encourage you to try that. If you want to try both, that's fine. But I want to encourage you to try someone that does not describe themselves as a Christian counselor, just a licensed clinical counselor. That's who I want to encourage you to talk to. And then I want to encourage you to do something really, really radical, which is give yourself permission to lay off some of the spiritual stuff a little bit. It's okay to have a day where you don't pray. It, it, it really is. This is this is fine. It's okay to have a day where you don't read your Bible. It's okay. It's it's fine. It's God God gets it. We're we're at the point where we need to embrace some messy solutions. This is one of them. God understands some days you just if you've been traumatized, you don't have it in you to do this traumatic thing today. God gets that. The next thing I want to encourage you to do is to reinvent prayer. Um to Amen. completely Declare Christianity 1.0 and prayer 1.0 over, and we are yeah. never doing that again. Mm-hmm. It, that was something awful and terrible and and corrupt, and we are never ever going back to that. And so we will now create your own unique Christianity 2.0 and prayer 2.0. Yep. And let's start here. What is prayer? But a person with some degree of authenticity, expressing something about their heart to God. That's all prayer is. Um, Way down the road, just to stick a pin in something for like a year from now, it'd be great for prayer to include an element where we listen back for the things God might have to say too. But we can save that for way down the road. We're going to start with just prayer is about a person expressing something about their heart and mind towards God. That's it. Man, there are almost infinite ways for a person to do that. Um, you could journal, you could write poetry, you could paint, uh, you could uh, throw pottery on a wheel, you could build houses, or throw pottery against a wall, or throw pottery against a wall. Um, you could um, you could get into uh, uh, all kinds of combatives classes, and and it's. You know, my body in motion as I'm, you know, uh, kicking the crud out of people. We're wearing pads, y'all. We're wearing pads. But this is, I'm, I'm expressing something true about myself. Um, you could, for example, get back into yoga. Sure. You could totally get back yeah. into yoga. Uh, it, it turns out yoga's super good for you. Um, 
you know, um, we, we could try just meditation. Uh, that's a, a lovely, lovely thing. Um, but here's, here's how we'll know that we found the right answer is when it works for you. That's yep. the only criteria that matters. It's not what people at your last church think. It's not what people at your next church think. It's not what we think, actually. Uh, it, the only thing that matters is what works for you. That's it. Um, anything that allows you to express something of yourself to God and to be comfortable in the midst of doing that, that's it. You've nailed it. You found the place to begin. And here's the key thing. God is happy to meet you in the midst of that. He really, really is. I think it's so easy for us to get in this mode where we think of God as, you know, I really want you on the A-plus version of this, and I'm willing to be patient for a while, but, you know, tick-tock, Christians, tick-tock. That is, in my experience, that is not how God is, like at all. God is compassionate. God is gentle. God is patient. God knows you have been through a lot. Amen. The fact that any part of you, given what you've been through, would still want to find a way to pray, I think to God is an overwhelming statement of devotion and passion. So figure out what works for you. Give yourself that freedom to experiment and find the thing that works for you, including saying, man, this is not a day where I've got it in me to experiment. I, I need to just chill today. That's cool too. God gets that. He's going to meet you in the midst of that. I have no doubt about that at all. Keep going. See your doctor. Look into some counseling. Start to reinvent prayer. We've got your back. Absolutely right. Lee, where do we take that from here? Um, I, I, you know, I don't have a, a ton of other stuff to add to that. I, I absolutely and completely agree with everything that Jed said on that. The, the one thing that I'd like to underline, just hit with a highlighter, is this. You're not in trouble. Amen. Um, the one thing that I know about Jesus is that if you need to take a break from the whole thing, you're not in trouble. Um, I think that one of the things that we're going to find, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to steal a line from my friend Potsy. Um, this is a dude that, that I've been walking with for a long time, one of my best friends. He, he says this often to people who are clenched up a little bit. <laughs> But he says uh, something to the tune of, you know, I think when we get there and we see Jesus face to face, I think the first thing he's going to say to us is, you know, I, I really, really wanted you to enjoy this a, a whole lot more. Um, and, and I wanted you to know that I loved you the whole time. You can relax. I, I think that we would be shocked. And, and, and to be honest, the reason that we don't know it is just because of our Christianity has jacked us up so much. But just, Jesus has come so far for us. His, his compassion for us, his understanding of us, if, if we could get our minds around it, the thing that we would realize, I think, the most, and I hope that, I ho my, my hope in saying this is just that there would be a little breathe in and breathe out some freedom, is Jesus is not mad at you, and you can relax. Um, he gets it. He understands it. I love everything that Jed's saying about reinventing prayer. I mean, there's a million different ideas you could try on this. To be perfectly honest with you, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes I, I haven't even been through some of the trauma that you've been through, and I still don't feel like praying sometimes. I still don't feel like I want to do any of it. There are days when 
what I will honestly do, and you know, maybe somebody would think it's weird. I I don't know. I thought it was weird at a certain point, but then I kind of thought it was cool. Is I'll turn on some. Uh, I've got this great like jazz music playlist, and I just listen to it. And the real mushy love songs, I just think about them. Me singing it to Jesus. So if somebody thinks that's weird, well, whatever. I don't think it's weird. I think it's cool. I think Jesus gets it. He's just cool like that, man. I mean, there's a million different ways for you to re-enter this process that are non-traditional. And in the meantime, while you're figuring all of that out, underline, highlight, put it up in neon letters over the top of your life. You are not in trouble. And Jesus is not mad. His heart burns for you with love and passion and compassion. He digs you. He is pissed at the people that hurt you. He's upset about it, and he wants you to know that you're welcome. You're welcome to walk through this however you need to. His heart is an ocean, an ocean of understanding. And the more that we can kind of breathe freely in that, the more we're going to understand him. And then the more we're going to be free to do exactly what Jed's talking about, which is to find our rhythm, to find out what our relationship with him looks like. You've heard us say on this podcast before that, that every marriage has like a fingerprint. Well, it should be the same exact thing with every person's relationship with Jesus. Mine should not look like Glenn's. And Glenn's should not look like Matt's. Jesus and Matt have their own thing. And if you were to know all of it, you might think some of it's weird. But Jesus and Matt get it, you know, and that's the way it should be, is that Jesus and you, you guys have your own unique thing. You have your own stories. You have your own inside jokes. You have your own secrets. That's exactly the way it should be. And in the meantime, he is not mad at you and you are not in trouble. He is an ocean of understanding. That's all yeah. really, really fantastic stuff. And Glenn, is there something that I think uh, Jed and Lee have really hit the nail on the head in there? Is there anything else underpinning this that is going to understanding is going to help us move forward? Absolutely. I think uh, if you look at it in a big picture sense, everything that both Jed and, and Lee are saying here, it's all very positive. It's all a better world. It's all better today, you know. I love the idea of reinventing prayer. I, I, I see the way most people do it. I think it sucks. I think it'd be great to just tear it down and rebuild it from scratch. Why not? I think you come up with something better, you know. And as Lee is pointing out, it would at least be better for you, you know, more individuated to you. So that's better. You know, that's you know, in my mind there's 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 no negative to any of that. If you look at our uh bridge worship service and everything about it, we have stripped out everything that anyone has ever taken and made a mess. We just took it out. This is, there's, we're not going to give you a chance to go wrong with this because it's not in here. And we're just we're stripping out all the nonsense. But here's the thing about that is people come to that service who love the choir robes and the Advent candles and the altar colors and the stained glass window. They come to our service in a basement with a room full of people who are clearly having their struggles. They see that service and they say, whoa, I really like this. Now, yes, because they're crazy, they would rather have all of it with the choir robes, which is just insane and would ruin everything. But I'm saying no one finds that less Christian. So I think giving yourself permission to say, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a Christian path here by, 
by working this out. I, I don't have to reconcile myself with Christianity or with prayer or whatever. I'm discovering it for the first time, and I'm, I'm finding my own path. I think all that's good, all that's positive. So why aren't we already there? I think that's the thing that people, whatever your trauma is from your past, if you feel like you're stuck in that, what you have to understand is there's a push-pull happening there. There's one thing, you know, there's the, 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 the trauma, the negativity is pulling you one way, but there's something else pulling you the other way. That's why you're stuck. If you understand what that is, then you're going to be much more likely to move forward. Here's the thing about having a trauma from your past and having struggles and whatnot. People are understanding of you. And they're patient with you because of that. And they give you some time and some attention because of that. And the, here's another thing. Their expectations of you is, are a little bit uh, uh, moderated to that experience. They say, you know, this person's been through a lot. Let's take it easy on them. Here's what happens. And this kind of sucks, by the way. Here's what happens when you grow. People are like, oh, she's over that now. We can do whatever we want. Uh, when you grow, it's like, uh, nobody throws you a parade. I mean, I've gotten over things in my life that were big deals. Like this year, I got over a lot of things. There wasn't any kind, nobody pinned a medal on my chest. There was nobody like turning cartwheels, nothing. Uh, it, 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 we, we, I just had a birthday. It was more a celebration on a birthday than it was on all, any of that other stuff. Mm. And that's just how life is. I'm not complaining about my birthday. I'm not complaining about life. So this is just the way life works is when you grow it seems like there's less reward to that. Like you, you just you you get to have not pain and higher expectations. Why would I do that? And if we don't answer that question, we aren't going to move forward. The reality is, we want for you the sense of peace that you'll have on the other side of this. We want for you the the healthy relationship that you have with the Lord, uh, and and the sense of balance that you deserve and that god wants for you in this yes you know uh, as you grow people's expectations of you is higher and that is kind of unfair in certain sorts of ways but by overcoming this you're going to be stronger in a way you never were before Amen. that's a that's a reward of its own kind i think we we often look at you know if i if i am carrying too much weight i look at that and say I can if if I starve myself to death, I'll I'll weigh a little bit less over an extremely long period of time. What kind of there's no motivation for that. I I'm I'm going to be stuck eating too much because this feels good right now, and I don't want to do the Herculean effort of just not hating myself every time I look at myself in the mirror. You know, we have to recognize there's a whole lot more to that whole landscape and looking at all those things. What would be if you were free of this, what would it really look like? You have to answer that question before you begin this process. I have to look at the whole, like, if you if, if I tell you, you need to go to from here to someplace you've never been, you want to see the map. You want to know what's between here and there, where are the turns, and where's the traffic, and what's it, you know what I mean. You want to see, you want somebody to lay out the trip for you. You need to know what the trip looks like. What does this look like when you get there? Because that gives you motivation, but it also gives you a picture of why are you putting in this effort and going through this struggle. You're going towards something positive every moment if you do that. If you don't do that, 
you're just suffering through very small gains for a very big effort. And that's an easy thing to be stuck in. It's different when you're saying, I'm putting a, a big effort because I am going towards something big and beautiful and I'm getting closer every day. Finally, I, I will put it to you this way. If you, I totally agree with what Jed's saying. Go see a counselor because this is you know next level. We need professional help on this kind of stuff. There's no doubt about that. And don't carry a sense of shame about that. Everybody needs something at some time. This is what you need. Go for what you need. When you see that counselor, they're going to they're going to talk to you about the work that you need to do. When we talk to professional uh, therapists and stuff, they will tell us, you know, that's the language they use is you got to put in the work. They they'll they'll give you a, a sort of a diagnosis of your situation, but here's what we're going to work on to overcome it. So you have to do that work, and you have to challenge yourself to move forward in that. But it doesn't work if you only do half of that. Uh, as these guys are pointing out, if you just challenge yourself and push yourself and push yourself, you're going to be kind of putting way too much pressure on yourself when you need to give yourself a break every now and then. Uh, if you and, and you need to do the work uh, that might be taking things slow. But if you do the work and you don't challenge yourself, if you don't uh, assert yourself on this and, and do whatever you need to do with it, then you're going to have problems. Well, you're going to do both of those things at the same time. Do the work, the, the self-examination, the talking about it, the being patient with yourself on it, all of that, and then say, okay, how am I going to challenge myself? I'm going to reinvent prayer. What does that look like? And I, let me experiment with that. Let me try, try something different every day if I want, just to see, because, I, because God loves me that way, and I, uh, I have the chance to play and experiment, and God rejoices in that. And that's the challenge that I'm putting on myself of discovering what it is I'm about and what I enjoy. That's all really, really good stuff on this. One one small thought I'd close out on is, it goes kind of exactly what Lee was saying about, you know, not being in trouble, and what Glenn and Jed are talking about and kind of rethinking prayer, revolutionizing that for yourself, is you cannot cut yourself off from God. That's actually not a power that human beings have. You, if it's kind of back to Jet say, if you go a day, you say, I just can't do something that I recognize as prayer today. I'm just having too hard a day with it. You know, Romans eight twenty six puts it this way: in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Um, prayer is not about that. The words you put to it, that's very helpful for us on our end to coalesce those thoughts, but. Um, the fact that you can't do something that you recognize as prayer, that you're having a hard time with prayer. And again, that goes for people who may have had a traumatic experience and makes it a little hard for them to attend a worship service and feel normal, or people have uh, you know a hard time going to the Bible because they have needs on them. None of that cuts you off from God's love, from his healing, from his compassion. Those are all gifts he gives to us that are beyond our ability to to block off. So if you want them, they are there and whatever a way you can receive them in that time. We do truly believe that. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, what do you do when someone talks saved but doesn't walk saved? Should I follow someone like that? Help me to understand. And a great question. When we talked about the bridge recently, you may have heard uh, Glenn turn about this on the bridge podcast. And Lee, where did we start off? I, I, I like this question. I think one of the things that I would start with is the question of discernment. 
Um, I would want to know what are we talking about here? What What do you mean when you say is somebody that they talk safe but they don't act safe? I ask that basically because of my background. Um, I grew up in the kind of Christian environment that if somebody had salty language, if they moderately enjoyed an adult beverage, if they liked dancing, they would be cast out into the outer darkness with all of the heathen and the pagans. So what do we mean by that? What What's actually going on here? If you're saying that you, you've got somebody that's in a position of leadership in your life, um, you're supposed to submit to them or follow them or whatever, and this is a person who is unkind, who is who doesn't love the people Jesus loves, who is obviously, you know, stepping out of, uh, you know, the bounds and all that kind of stuff. We're looking at a different situation. This is this is honestly one of those weird places where um, it's it's kind of a deal where Christians and non-Christians alike can answer the question, should I follow this person? I know that sounds strange, but, it, you know, when you look at like, especially, you know, kind of going back to some of our earlier topics with the political stuff and everything like that, I can remember certain things happening and some of my non-saved friends would call me and say, there's a lot of Christians that are talking this and talking that and talking that. You're not on that, are you? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not on that thing. And they're like, good, I knew it. I knew that you weren't on that because that's not what I think Jesus is like. And these are people that don't follow Jesus in any way. My question for myself, whenever I'm looking at who do I want to hitch my wagon to, who do I want to follow, who do I want to listen to, who do I want to open myself up to in vulnerability and, you know, submitting to and all that kind of stuff. I always had the question, what are you doing? What are, what is your life doing? Like what, what's going, what are you actually doing in your life? I want to see it. I want to see the way that you love people. I want to see the way that you serve people. I want to see if you want to serve me. The people that, the people that I listen to are not people that just like write books in a remote location and the books have a sexy cover and stuff like that. The people that I listen to are people that I can see their life and I can see what they're on. So I think the discernment comes into what exactly are we talking about here? When you say somebody's not living saved, um, what do we mean? Is that just some stuff that some Christians have decided is 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 a thing that we're going to disenfranchise people for? Or is this like an obvious thing? Because for me, I always want to follow somebody that like um, within Christian circles, within unsaved circles, these are people that have a good reputation. Um, they're, the, they're the people that they are known and famous for love. They are famous for serving people. They are famous for meeting people's needs. Those are the kind of folks that I want to follow. And, and I want that to be an obvious thing. It's almost one of those things of, of like the people that I want to follow, I, I don't want to have a question about it. I don't want to see how bad does it need to get before I stop following them. I want to find the very best people who are doing the very coolest stuff. And those are the people that I want to follow and walk behind and submit my, my heart and life and open myself up. It's a really, really great point. I think that's an excellent place to start this out. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think Lee is absolutely right that, you know, we need to identify what we're talking about here. So let's say that we're coming to this from kind of the other end he was talking about. This isn't used to condemn, but 
there is someone who rightly identifies some kind of hypocrisy in a person who is talking the right thing and may not be quite on the right thing. It's a very good, it's a very easy knee-jerk reaction to say, well, Christians shouldn't be hypocrites and hypocrites are bad, therefore we can toss all this out. But I don't think all hypocrisy is necessarily created equal in that way. It's definitely not. I, I think we should start with this, that we are all we are all hypocrites. Every not all Christians, all people everywhere. No one one hundred percent practices what they preach. No one on earth does that. So we that needs to be acknowledged, and we need to be clear that someone who says, you know, you know, a pastor who has been there for me and and you know visited me in the hospital and you know uh, you know looked after my family when I lost my job. Yeah, you know, I heard him say a curse word one time when he hit his toe on something. So bit of a hypocrite y'all uh that's you know no dude but if we're talking about a significant amount of this guy just his life and his words just don't match up there's just there's a fundamental disconnect here you know kind of in in a sense big hypocrisy i think there's at least actually three different kinds of hypocrisy they come from different places and they actually kind of call for different responses. We don't often think of it that way, but I think the details really matter. So um, if we want to look at kind of those three kinds, the first is somebody who they just love judging other people. They know they're a hypocrite. They don't care. I just like being a mean person. Um, my life and my words don't add up, and I'm not trying for them to add up because I just like looking down on other people. That's, that's what I'm here to do. There's a lot more of that around Christian culture than you might think, like a lot more. But that's that's thing one. The next are people where they are legitimately trying to live their conception of a Christian life. Uh, it's not going great, and they're engaging in a bit of fake it till you make it. They're kind of trying to almost talk themselves into being more of a Christian than they really are, and this... The hypocrisy isn't really for other people. It's more for them. Um, just it's like, this isn't going great, but if I feel like I could just really gin myself up on it, I'd, I'd get somewhere. I mean, we, we've all, you know, you, you know, if you, you've, we've all heard a guy like you lifting weights at the gym and he's like screaming like, yeah, you know, uh, that's that's not for everybody else. That's for him, man. And then kind of the 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 last one. Uh, and this is really common. And once I tell you this, I think you're going to see this all over the place. That's a person who is deeply ashamed of the sin areas in their own life. And they're preaching this sermon to themselves. Um, you see this a lot, for example, with stuff related to sexual sin, where I am eaten up by the fact that this is going on in my own life and I am pounding this pulpit and telling you that you're all heathen sinners because I am overcome with the shame in my own life and I do not know what to do with it. Well, as I describe those, all three of those categories are hypocrisy and, and significant hypocrisy, but you can pretty readily see these are three very different cases of kind of different kinds of people, very different stuff. So what do we what do we do with them? So if we're dealing with someone where, no, I just love meanness. I just, I love judging people. That's just my jam. <laughs> I, I hate. That's basically it. I just, I like to hate. Uh, it, that's steer clear, man. Just, just take the long way around that dude. Just don't have anything to do with him. That's going to burn itself out. That's not a sustainable thing. And um, we want to be there for that person 
on the other side, when they come out the other side, that's going to be a while. So just steer clear. If we're dealing with someone where they're really trying to live a Christian life, it's not going great. They're kind of trying to just, you know, boost themselves up by, you know, you know, really, you know, talking it up. I think it's about encouraging what it, what can be encouraged. You know, the stuff that they are getting right to the extent they're willing to see it. Say, way to go, man! You know, I, uh, I I I noticed that you volunteered with the thing. That's really great. Serving other people is good, and you did that, and that's great. Good job. Encouragement counts for a lot. It really, really does. And then with the people where this is a shame thing, I think we want to show love and compassion. Those folks, because they are hurting. I mean, they are really deeply hurting. But we also want to be aware that when people feel deeply ashamed, they will give themselves permission to do crazy things, to to act in in pretty unpredictable ways. So we want to show love and compassion. We also want to keep some good boundaries when we're dealing with people that are caught up in that that kind of shame situation, because they, without thinking about it, can pretty easily lash out. Um, And we want to be at a safe enough distance where that lashing out doesn't end up uh, punching us in the process. That's a real, those are really, really fantastic points and really help to add some layers to what we, again, I think it is dangerous to uh, decide hypocrisy is right out. And I'm tossing out everyone is that because as Jed started off there, you inherently have to toss yourself in that trash heap too. Cause we all talk differently, better may not be right than, than what we're doing at any given time. So Glenn, we, I think we can totally look at what Lee was saying and what Jed was saying and marry those together. And one of the points that we need to look here is, are we talking about people who are acting like we need to emulate their example? Or are we talking about people on some of the hypocrisy like Jed was grabbing who are trying to do their best and figure it out? And how does that factor into what we're talking about here? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Jesus says uh, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You know, these are two different types of animals that are not kosher to eat. So they would, you know, uh, put a piece of cloth or something over a, a cup and then pour water into it to strain out any bugs that might have wandered into the water jug or something. They'll do that, but you know, you'll you'll eat a whole camel. What he's saying is, you focus really hard on the small things. Make sure you're not doing the small things. You focus on other people and the small things, and say, well, if they're doing the small things, that must mean they're doing the big things too. You know, if they're getting small things wrong, they're getting big things wrong. Uh, but when you're Focusing on the little splinter in your eye or in somebody else's eye, you're ignoring the big stuff, and that's Jesus is saying that to us very clearly. Some some things are gnats, some things are camels. Uh, so, uh, it, it, to to answer Matt's question, I can I can di- discern is this person sincerely trying to do their best and and struggling by whether the Big things are getting addressed. You know, the major struggles that we all have with the Christian walk. Is this person applying themselves to that the best way they know how? There's a level of humility to that. There's a level of honesty to that. There's a level of, you know, I'm engaging with this. It may not be great, but I am working on it. That you can tell that stuff right away. I mean, it's just not hard to tell. That same person might get some little things wrong. There might be a cursed word that comes out of their mouth or something. But to me, that's almost 
ideal. That's the guy you want to get behind is someone who does their best on the big stuff and lets the little stuff go so you can focus on the big stuff. That's good. Somebody who really, really, really focuses on the little stuff is hiding big stuff. And that's where you really need to be worried about it. So to give you a more concrete example, um, we had a, 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 a buddy of ours who uh, is part of, uh, you know, an association of sort of household name, big megachurch stuff. And there's a leader of that. Now, this guy was on really serious problems for a long time. And certainly we knew about it. And we're not part of that whole thing. So if we know about it, you know, it, any and everyone going to that church could could be aware of it if they wanted to make themselves aware of it. But he was making excuses for those things all along. He wasn't saying, I am confessing I have a problem in this area and I'm working on it and I'm trying to make progress He and I'm getting counseling or whatever those things are. He was making excuses for that. If, if someone's making excuses rather than saying, you know, yes, I have weaknesses and I have problems and I'm doing my best with that, but I'm I'm not there yet. That though that's giving you a really clear line to look at. Finally, um, uh, uh, part of what you're asking about here is should I follow someone like that? And in reality, I think uh, we need to have understanding of everybody. I think we need to not judge anybody. But if we're looking for someone in leadership, there should be a higher standard that applies to them. You should apply that higher standard to us. We, we are prepared for a deeper level of scrutiny because we are presuming to speak uh, into your life and, and address your issues here. Uh, but I really like the idea of you following God and then uh, the people in your church, pastors, mentors, uh, Bible study leaders, all of that, those people are helping you to fill in the gaps of that, helping to bridge some understanding that you may be lacking in some of those areas, but that's that's filling in the details of that. If I'm having a, a solid relationship with the Lord, no pastor, no person, no, nobody can take me off my square on that because I'm I'm in touch with the Lord. I'm in tune with what he's saying. If this pastor says or does something that's out of keeping with that, I'm just going to be able to see this doesn't match up, and then I'm going to move on to other leadership. But if I'm trying to do something, that person can fill in those gaps and give me some understanding, give me some explanation on that, then that's going to help me whether this is a a good leader or not, uh, he might get me from A to B and then I'm, I can move on to other leaders. So I think it's really about letting God lead you in that sort of way and not relying on books and the people on TV and that kind of stuff. That's all really, really good stuff. And again, this is one of those things where we do have to, you're going to have to lean on your own sense of discernment because as these guys pointed out, everyone is a hypocrite to some extent, particularly Again, when we're talking about leadership, um, there are to not be able to talk about or preach about or give advice on something where you have an area of your own struggle would be really limiting in a way that's not very helpful. You know, if you could only talk about if a leader could only talk about things they had totally and entirely um, solved, if you know, there would be very few sermons about I don't know time management Mm. or managing your family relationships because that's not something where anybody can solve it all the way. There are things that people know what they should be doing and there are obstacles to maybe the reason why the person talking isn't doing them. And if you're dealing with someone who's honest and humble, 
that can, there can actually be a lot of helpful stuff for you in there and them looking at, you know, I don't, I don't do this perfectly and here's some struggles I've had. Again, whenever, one's, whenever someone doesn't want to talk about how amazingly saved they are and how they're doing this perfectly, that is a good little time to set some alarm bells there. Doesn't mean we hypocrisy is a good thing. Obviously, we need to put up with it. But again, we do have to uh, deal with some, some shades of gray in this. We don't want to toss out uh, good things after bad on that. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click those links. We're going to take out the song this week. This is from our Bridge Box Summer Mixtape. Our friend Harley Smalley helped us out with a version of Jesus Loves Me, unlike any you've probably ever heard before. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, submit your Say That Wedding ideas immediately. Circus clowns, firewalks, foot rubs, you name it. Yes, Jesus loves me.